We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And today we're excited to continue our Basketball God series. This is the second. Our first one was on Shaq, the God of Power. And this one will be on another Laker, and it was Darius's choice. And D, one of the many ways we've connected over basketball is... I see the Magic Johnson influence all over how you talk about the game and how you see it. Phrases like passing guys open and using your eyes to move the defense. All of these things are as someone who is also raised by Magic. And, and that's a very unique experience growing up that way. I, I see that all over your perception of the game. So humor me, if you will, before we get into the analysis Take me back to what nine-year-old Darius Soriano thought about Magic Johnson as he was falling in love with the game. I mean, it was before that. I'm a little bit older than you a year or two, I think. I think two years, yeah. Yeah. So my first basketball memories are of the Showtime Lakers, and there was no bigger figure in that than Magic Johnson, right? Right next to him was probably Chick Hearn. And then right next to him was probably Pat Riley, right? And so there was this sort of three-headed monster that represented Showtime basketball. But Magic, the guy on the court, he was the one that made me fall in love, not just with basketball, but with a very specific kind of basketball, a generous type of game and a generous player and a player who played with charisma and with flair and he made the game fun to me there is like nothing better when you're a kid and mike has young kids i know that they play sports and one of the things that you really want to inspire in your kids if they go into sports at all is fostering that love of the game because if they love the game they will want to do it more than any way that you could push them in to something as maybe parents can Right. And so for me, watching Magic Johnson was like, oh, my goodness, he was a revolution in terms of the game. And you're a kid. And so you don't quite understand 
the reasons why and why you're attracted to it. Mm -hmm. Or even understand his position within the league and how he revolutionized things a certain way. You saw this big sort of lanky, long-legged player like taking these monstrous strides up the court and looking one way and passing another. Like I said, it made the game fun, but it made it something that's just like there was this community of play that made it feel like, oh, you're in this with these other people. Much more so than watching football or watching baseball, which I did plenty of that stuff when I was a kid. You you guys hear the analogies on the pod all of the time, but there's a reason why I talk about the Lakers on a podcast and why I write at a Lakers site. And it's because I fell in love with that game more than the other games. And Magic Johnson was instrumental in fostering that love. I want to do more listening on this pod than uh, than I typically would. And just you guys, this is your childhood a little bit more. So, Pete, let me hear from you. Uh, and I'll, I'll sprinkle in a couple stories that I've heard more from kind of like Laker luminaries because I don't have that same background of growing up watching him. So let me let For me sure. get your magic, your magic takes here. So I was born in 1980. Um, and so that was the, the first year that the Lakers that Magic won his rookie year had that famous 42 point. 15 rebounds, seven assist game in game six of the finals. That was the year that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar won MVP of the entire NBA. He was the best player in the league at the time. And so him going down in game five, the Lakers were up. He sprained his ankle, Kareem did, in game five. And Magic Magic tells this great story, as Magic is prone to doing, uh, about how he was telling a a friend or a family member how I'm going to go back to my high school days and I'm going to score. And just puts up, I'm just, I'm just going to put up 42 in game six of the finals against Dr. J and the Philadelphia 76ers and that whole crew. And Magic was a rule breaker. He was a paradigm shift in that players at size were not supposed to play that way. I have, I have a lot of thoughts on the, the way that the, that basketball has been covered over the decades and that I don't think it's been given a sufficient degree of like, taken seriously as as a a sport as a as a mental sport as a as an intellectual endeavor so much of the game i think was forged through the concept of the game was forged through the ideas that were born of baseball and football specifically with respect to positions right the idea that you have a point guard a shooting guard a small forward basketball doesn't work the same way that it does in football right where the the offensive guard on the offensive line is fulfilling a completely different position than a wide receiver and has is asked to do completely different things. And so magic, the do it allness of magic, there was something translatable, Mike, about him being a six, nine player, but was moving the defense with his eyes and with ball fakes. And even as like the, the short point guard, right. As a little kid who's playing on the playground and playing in rec leagues with my friends and all that. It was like, well, I can't be magic and I can't be this big force that grabs a rebound and goes coast to coast and just physically overwhelms everyone. But I can look this way and pass the ball that way because I know that this guy's open there. And so there is a universal quality to him, D, that that really no matter who you were basketball wise, you could apply to his game. And he inspired a whole generation of players that we'll get to in a bit. There was a relatability to his game. And, and this is a great point. There was a relatability to his game that translated to any sort of type of player and people talk about Steph Curry this way in like the current generation right like I'll never dunk like LeBron I'll never be 6'9 206 65 pounds I'll never be like Shaq 
right? Or even have the athletic gifts of a Kobe Bryant or a Michael Jordan. But I can back out to 35 feet and I can try to bomb away. Any player can shoot in theory, right? No one can shoot quite like Steph. But the idea of, oh, that sort of, I can try to replicate that. I coached high school basketball as Steph Curry was becoming more and more prominent. And the types of shots that 15, 16-year-olds would go out, go out there and take yes. nowadays would get your ass benched back. But the same thing was true of a six-foot-nine player. If you grabbed a rebound and dared to push the ball up court yourself, you'd have a coach screaming at you to give the ball to a guard, right? And it, like Magic broke a lot of the regimented thought process of basketball that I do think was born from a, a – an American society that watched baseball and football and more regimented games. And he really went toward the spirit of the sport. Well, there were no rules for him, right? It's, it's like, it's like when Morpheus is explaining the matrix to Neo, right? Like, like, yeah, there are rules that exist in this world. Right. And, but like, like the rules of a computer, like some can be bent and some can outright be broken. Right. And that was Magic Johnson. He he touched the game in a way that I don't think really anyone has since him. I like I think that LeBron, Mike, you've brought this up on on previous pods that LeBron is probably more Magic Johnson than he is Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant. Right. In terms of the ethos and the spirit in which he plays the game that generosity as a player. But I've said this on Twitter and and people tried to jump in my mentions, but I'll die on this hill. LeBron has never played with the same exact flair that Magic Johnson played with. And maybe that's an imagination of my youth. I'm not sure, right? Because there is something, there was a thing that Magic Johnson did though when I was a kid that seemed totally otherworldly as a skill. And it's it's one of the reasons why when, Pete, you brought up the idea of basketball gods and we should sort of highlight these things, we're looking for a quality or a talent in which someone is really the epitome of that, right? And no one, to me, represents this idea of sort of vision that Magic Johnson had. And I mean that across this entire landscape of basketball. There's court vision and there's passing vision and Magic had that in spades. But Pete, you told that story about Magic going into game six and, oh, I'm going to play like I did in high school. But first of all, the audacity of the self-belief that takes to be well, like, eh, well, I'm just well, going to drop 40 casually. I haven't scored that at any point. He averaged like 17 a game his rookie year. But now I'm the first 40-point game is going to be in game six. The audacity, know? though, for me is, yeah, so I'm playing at the at the highest of the highest level of that our sport has to offer. The championship clinching game in the best league in the world. And I'm going to call on my high school days in order to win, right? Like and it's going to work. It's and, gonna freaking and it's work. going to freaking work. And, and so there's an audacity there, first no. of all. But when I think of vision, I think of all of these different things beyond just court vision and passing vision. I think of, of 
the singular vision of understanding of what's needed and then going and doing that thing, right? Of seeing through seeing through everything. Yeah, it's and, the decision in the first place to be like, this is what this situation needs me to do. And and seeing seeing that clearly enough in order to then say, these are the steps I have to take in order to get to the thing that I see in front of me that others might grasp at and fumble, right? Or not see clearly at all and, and apply a certain amount of misdirection or, or wrongness when, when trying to get to their goal. But Matthew Johnson knew, he knew what was needed of him in this exact scenario was to play a certain style and to play a certain way. And that's what was going to get his team to where they need, needed to go. And I, would, and I would argue that over the course of his career, that's the type of, he, of vision that he exhibited in all of his basketball walks of life in order to get to the promised land as a leader for his team. Magic is just like the nickname itself, but it tells you something up what Darius just talked about there. It all just fits because of who he is as a person still today, like watching his Instagram as he as he goes through the Mediterranean, like he's just that <laughs> dude still. Yep. He's just yep. you. There's this magnetism about him and it's somehow extended onto the court. But uh, so I asked a couple of people about magic that really went through the whole thing. So I, I texted Billy Mack and here's his little paragraph summary. Um, Bill McDonald, of course, I, I think everyone in this podcast knows he goes charismatic leader, winner, unselfish, competitive, clutch, ridiculously talented megawatt star in the city of angels and the unquestioned author and leader of Showtime. Anyone who was a Laker fan then knows exactly what I'm talking about. He was and still is our guy. And the thing that struck me with that paragraph in thinking about, I did that piece about Dr. Buss. And of course, I did a lot of interviews with all of these different Laker luminaries. And Dr. Buss it gets a piece of this. But the reason that I think we look at the purple and gold. And yes, there was winning to some extent, at least before Magic and before Showtime. But why is it still so cool to just go to Staples Center and all of the stars? And what, who is the face behind that? on the court. And it was, it was not just the fact that he was this incredible. If we're only talking about basketball, top five guy, we can do a whole you know thing about that. I know mm -hmm. we'd like to promise future podcasts just <laughs> about basketball, but then the smile, like, uh, like uh, my buddy Ty Nowell, that's what his mom will talk about, right? Like th there's, there's something about that after being awesome. And then you see this megawatt smile that transcends the sport and just that like, that people that don't know anything about basketball love magic and love the Lakers. And that, so there's some, there's some connection there to the show and the conversation Darius just brought up about LeBron, which I think that some of LeBron, LeBron's got some of the Kobe Jordan thing in there too, where like the plan is always on there to win the game. Like magic just had that, um, had the constant that that's, that's his personality. That's who he is. So all of that molded together uh, then makes magic who he is and not just for basketball, but specifically for the Lakers specifically for this city and now this global basketball brand is so tied to him and that mix of his game and his smile.
I'm so glad you brought that up, Mike. It's it's crucial. Magic is the most charismatic person I've ever met. I can say that unequivocally. I I grew up. My dad worked in TV. He worked at, at Telemundo, and so I grew up. I m- would meet celebrities, especially in the Latin world. You guys remember Daisy Fuentes yes. from MTV? Yes. Daisy Fuentes. I was at the studio or at the the TV station. Daisy Fuentes called a 13 year old me cute. I, I might as well have exploded. Even that did not compared to the first time I met Magic Johnson or the time that Magic kind of roundabout told me to shut the hell up. I'll tell this story. Where did Daisy Fuentes' comment rank on the Pete Pleasure scale? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna answer that because there's. Yeah, that was a rhetorical question. That was a rhetorical very interested in that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, even that didn't turn me to to putty the way that Magic Johnson did. There was during uh we were doing draft workouts one year, and Luke Luke was the coach at the time, and Magic was there. Right, was was running the show, and we're standing off to the side. If media availabilities for those of you listening. They let you in and there's like 10, 15 minutes of kind of lingering before they actually go up and do the part where they talk to all the reporters and the part that you see on camera. And so there's usually a bit of time to kill and people are catching up. And Geeter is there. Chris McGee is there. And if you know Geeter, Geeter is exactly the same off camera that he is on camera. And he also has that uh, that booming voice that that Mike has as well, right, that can very much project his voice. So we're in the big cavernous training facility. And Geeter's also somebody who sometimes, you know, you're not talking to him. He's talking to you, right? So Geeter's going off on something. And I love me some Geeter. I'm standing there like, you know, I'm kind of facilitating the conversation. Fucking magic walks over and cusses out Joey Ramirez and Rodrigo Azurmendi, who were right next to us. We weren't doing anything wrong at all. But that was magic's way of telling us all like we were being too loud because it was the end of a draft workout and Luke was kind of giving his closing comments and Geeter is over off on the side talking to me. And yes, I'm totally blaming, blaming Geeter for all of this. Sorry, Geeter. Um, and yeah, comes us and, and tells us basically to shut the hell up and then comes over and freaking daps us up, daps me up. What's up, man? How you doing? Right? Like, you know how he is. He's the best diplomat ever. And I'm just like quivering, right? And I'd already met him. I'd already had my turn to putty moment with magic. And, but yeah, I was like, magic just told me to shut the fuck up. Like, that's that's amazing. Anyway, let's take a quick break. We'll come back, talk more about the God of Vision, Magic Johnson. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, D. So nine NBA Finals appearances in 12 years. Um... The way that we got him in the first place to the Lakers was remarkable. It was a old rule that's no longer in place. It was when Gail Goodrich signed with the Utah Jazz, and it may have even been the New Orleans Jazz at the time, and you got a compensatory pick at the time, and there was a coin flip between us and I believe the Milwaukee Bucks, and the two guys at the top of the board were Magic Johnson and Sidney Moncrief, a great player in his own right. Magic, though, as, as Billy Mack said in the text that he sent to Mike, was the unequivocal leader of that Showtime group. Now, Kareem, Kareem's in his own spot, and Kareem will be a Basketball Gods podcast, I promise you that. But that ability to galvanize a whole group of people with that charisma, with his flair, with that, like what you said about LeBron earlier, I don't think that's that's off. I think LeBron has a flair in terms of like, he had this athleticism that would be make you go, holy crap, right? But that ability to galvanize a group of people is very special that I've seen in very few people in the sports world or beyond with magic. There's different styles of leadership in the story that you told about like magic could be mad at you um, or he could, and Michael Thompson tells stories like this all the time, but there's, there's a, there's something at the end of the delivery that brings you back in. So a lot of times it's a laugh. It's a twinkle of the eye, right? And that's a, that's a, a unique person to person skill that that just it allows you to be honest, but without sort of the the penalties sometimes where you could be uh, you could be a little bit more brusque about it. And it's not to say that's the only thing that works. Like we know that Jordan and Kobe did it the other way for most of their careers, and that style can work too. But Magic's Magic's particular brand of leadership certainly seemed to have that kind of an impact. Uh, I mean, I I think that when when you think about Magic's game, also. Sometimes you don't, he didn't start shooting threes and this is part of the NBA until his last two years before the year that he returned um, after the diagnosis. And, and yet he, it seemed like he was always, he always got to the spots that he wanted to get to. So he shot 52% for his career. And like, so you don't think of magic as a shooter, but he was a really efficient player. And on top of that, averaging 11 assists for a game, just thinking about how many opportunities that he's creating. And that's just the assister, of course, just the buckets that are finished. It's not free throws. It's not near chances. Like 11 assists as an average is insane. And, and like to be able to score efficiently on top of that and like not the, the, the steel total getting up, you never really block shots, but the, just the numerical presence of magic is, is sometimes more impressive than you think when you're thinking behind the back pass and uh, fast break and, you know, switchability and stuff like that. So it's just, again, Darius, when I think about when I'm asked almost any question about magic, I, I, I have a hard time separating his persona and, and the charisma and all that with just the way that he played the game. It's just so that's basically the, the word magic in the context of basketball to me does sort of inco- incorporate all of that stuff. The best thing I can say about magic as 
sort of this personality and someone who, as Geter said, like he's sort of ours, right? Like, and, and he embodies the team and, and he'll always be, he'll always be that is magic had an unsuccessful stint as head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. He had a really sort of bitter ending to his time as president of basketball operations for for the Lakers and had some really some really rough moments I would say Pete like we were on this pod saying not so kind things about Magic Johnson as a front office executive who ran the Lakers and through all of that he's still oh yeah Magic no. Johnson like there's no untouchable there's untouchable. no diminishing him nope and his legacy within the context of what he means to this organization. And yeah. I think that there's no better example. There's nothing else I could say. He's Magic F and Johnson. Like he's he's that dude. He is that dude. He he is the guy who highlight after highlight after highlight. It's like even that really doesn't do him justice. It it shows you the the type of player that he was or the amount of flash that he had or just the amazing plays that that he could make but there was there was something of watching him night after night after night that is like it's so hard to capture if you actually weren't there through like the spoken word yeah that's kind of what i want us to do with this and I, so i want to kick it back to you d on this is what would you tell somebody that's younger that maybe has only seen Magic Johnson highlights that did not experience? Because he retired in 91. He came back for that that one little stint at the end of the 95-96 season. But you have to be of a certain age to remember Magic. you got to be about our age to even as little kids remember that guy, right? And so what is what is missing? What did time lose in that experience of watching Magic play? If you're a Lakers fan and you had the chance to root for Kobe Bryant or Shaquille O'Neal during their magical run and then Kobe after that, through that time and then through the Powell years, and if you're a fan now and you have LeBron James, the idea of always having one of those dudes on your side and never feeling like you're out of it in any way, shape, or form because this dude is on your side. The sense of, if not invincibility, the sense of any time a game is about to start, you feel like this dude is going to do something that is just otherworldly. There are some things that you begin to take for granted with any given player, I feel like. Like, there were times where Kobe, for example, would hit one of those baseline fades. And it's just like, in theory, that's a really difficult shot. It's just hard. But it became so rote for Kobe Bryant to hit that shot that it almost went under the radar. And it wasn't until like that final game against the Jazz, for example, where Kobe was hitting shot after shot after shot. And they were almost all like Kobe Bryant shots. And you knew that this was the last time you were going to watch it that appreciation came full circle again for you. But what I would say about Magic is that the style of game that he played, it was impossible to take for granted because it was so rooted in something that seemed impossible to a regular person. 
the Lakers ran that great like assist. It's like NBA assist week as we're recording this. And there have been a ton of plays that have been highlighted. But Magic had that great pass to Michael Thompson where he's, you know, lumbering down the middle of the court like only Magic Johnson can do. He puts the ball in his right hand and he and he deeks the ball in one direction and looks in that same direction and then flicks it with his wrist the opposite way to Michael Thompson. And then Michael got a layup. And it's sort of just like how did you even see that dude? Right. And it it seemed like to me, and again, I was a kid, but it seemed like to me every single game, he made a play like that. And there was a moment where you stood up, you, you literally, he made you stand up multiple times a game and sort of like shake your head in bewilderment as to what he saw and so when i think about like oh the the god of vision right one of the things that he did for me is he made me want to see the things that he saw oh i love this that's so true yes as as a player and it makes and that has influenced me in how i watch the game now i am looking for the dude that's open. It's why I think like that term passing you open, that really does come from Magic Johnson because you are not open. Technically you are open though, to the dude who sees things a step or two ahead and then moves you by throwing the ball to a spot. Right. It's like the opposite of a catcher framing the pitch. Right. Bro, like half of his turnovers in his career, I think he retired as the NBA leader in all time turnovers. About half of them were because the other guy didn't quite see that. Like it was the right pass to make, but the other guy didn't see it, you know? Yeah. The turnover thing is those, a lot of his turnovers are the kind that the coach watches in the film room the next day and is like, well, it's hard to get mad at him about that. You know, like he, right. he clearly saw this would have been a layup if this other guy had just seen the, and it was worth it, right? It was worth it for the defense to have to account for what Magic was going to do with the ball. So his turnovers were not were not the kind that uh, that get the coaching staff upset. And as as you guys were going through some of those thoughts, I'm thinking of a couple of the big games that Magic played, and maybe the biggest game, not necessarily his best game. He was great as usual, but Game Six against Boston in 1985. And for for that Lakers group, and of course, Dr. Buss was at the head of that one, but on down through the organization, uh, Jerry West, certainly having put that team together, Pat Riley, like they had not beaten Boston yet at that point. And there was and it just killed them. It killed them. And here they are again. And like the way that series started. But so Magic told this story. Uh, to me in one of like the, the for the same Dr. Bus piece. And he said before they left after L.A., of course, and they lose LA in L.A. in game five. He said he told this quote, I told the dudes only take one set of clothes. There's not going to be a seventh game. And we all took one set. Now, we knew when we got on that plane, we were going to beat the Celtics in game six. And it's just so magic. It doesn't always have to be the smile like he can just do a kind of like the way that he says it. Sure, there's a twinkle. But like, look, guys, like he could be a forceful leader. And it's another thing that Michael Thompson always talks about, like magic would like he would get on you in practice. You just would like him afterwards. You know, you lived in fear of pissing off Kareem because you had no idea what he thought. 
about you and he might he might hate you and he might try to he might try to hit you. He had his own way of leading and his own special leadership characteristics. But like magic was going to it just it's not it's hard sometimes to have that much respect and almost fear for somebody that is that nice. And, and it was a little bit of a moment there before that 85 game. And then sure enough, he has a triple double. Like if people forgot the game, he had 14 assists. He had 10 boards. Uh, he had 14 points, even though the shot wasn't falling. And then the two guys that were benefiting from the assist, Worthy was 11 for 15. Kareem was 13 for 21. And a lot of that is just magic, like pounding the ball into the paint, getting up and down in the wing and feeding those guys. And, and uh, you guys could count how many games, right? Hundreds where it was the same thing. That series began with the Memorial Day Massacre as well. The Celtics absolutely blew us out in that first game. And this is something where, as I get older, I see the... 148 to 114. 148 to 114 against the fucking Celtics, too. And in 1985, we had not beaten the Celtics. The year before, we lost to them. In This is one of my first basketball memories. I remember crying because Louis Bird, which is what I called him as a four-year-old, Louis Bird and the Celtics beat the Lakers, again, you know, in, in 84 finals, Magic had a bad series, and I think it was closeout game was especially bad. That was tragic the Tragic Johnson. Johnson. Tragic, tragic Johnson. Johnson. That's right. Oh, sorry. Yeah. By the way, the Lakers won game five. I, I, I screwed that up earlier. For, I didn't want to get that wrong for the uh, for the record. They lost game yeah, four, see, of course, but then they won game five. Then they flew from L.A. to Boston for game six. Sorry, go, that's go ahead. That's right, because they knew they were going to close it out. Right. But think about that mentally. Of, and you're talking about his leadership qualities and and that ability to be kind of a an mf you know, and, and be like and have that attitude. So we've lost to the Celtics. We've always lost to the Celtics at this point in time. Imagine it's 2010 finals for viewers, for listeners who remember that we lose to the Celtics in 2008. Then game one of the 2010 finals, we lose by 34. Could you imagine mentally the place that that puts you in? This is the team that beat you last year or the last time that you faced. And then with the Lakers, they'd beaten us tons of times in the finals. And so to get from that mental position of losing by 34 in game one, and everyone was saying Kareem was washed up and it was over for him. He was like 35 years old at the time. To That mental swing, Darius, to be able to go from that to before game six, y'all motherfuckers just bring one change of clothing. That's all you're going to need because we're going to win this series. And after that is when Dr. Buss had that great saying of never again can it ever be said that the Lakers have not beaten the Celtics in the NBA finals. And Dr. Buss is smiling ear to ear, man. It was just a, a classic moment that Magic's attitude catalyzed. And Magic said, so after that win, they, uh, they he literally danced all night with Dr. Buss. And like the, the whole, that, they just, that's, that was the only thing they could do was dance. But uh. it makes me... It made me forget about I, I while I was making sure that I was fact checking myself there. Magic's numbers in Game Five. Uh, do you guys remember Game Five of that oh, series? No, it's we all, all yeah, it's we all, all very think, fuzzy. Yeah, we think about Game Six now. So, dude had twenty six points, seventeen assists, and two turnovers in Game Five of the Finals game, like the mm-hmm. the most important. So, seventeen dimes to two turnovers uh, in forty two minutes, and the Lakers won that one. 120 to 111 but i mean you know that's that's a pretty good finals game i feel like that and i had just completely forgotten that that game uh that that game existed so that's the thing with magic is the tragic johnson narrative was a real thing and it's interesting (laughs) it's it's interesting that something like that would even take hold right after the rookie game 
that Pete started out this with. Like most times you have a game like that as a rookie and you're basically Teflon for the rest of your career, right? Like, oh, you could have what you could have a down series or whatever, or a down cup couple of games, and no one is going to hold that against you. But here were headlines, right? Like you're tragic Johnson. Now you're the dude who turns the ball over in the clutch and who seemingly folds in the biggest moments. And it's sort of like word. Darius, I, is yeah. this, this is, this is a legit question. Okay. This is, I am, I have no judgment associated with this question. If the name weren't so catchy and like kind of funny, especially if created by like some high schooler in Boston or, or some newspaper columnist, perhaps in Boston, like would it have stuck as much? It was because it was the Celtics. Let me jump in here. It was because we lost to the freaking Celtics again, right? Not only did he win as a rookie in 80, he won it in 82, but neither of those series were against the Celtics. Yeah. You have to understand, this is, and I, I like younger Laker fans will kind of laugh at me and don't quite understand my Celtics hatred, right? Which I totally get. Then The oh, fact man. that they don't understand is a testament to the success of the Bus family and the Lakers franchise over the last 35 years. That y'all younger folks don't hate the Celtics the way that I do, the way that, that Darius does. We hated these dudes and, and like forever and ever and ever too. Like mm-hmm. that's not going away ever. I'm sorry. Like I'll have – I have respect for Larry Bird. Likewise. Right? The rest of those dudes, and Jeannie, you can beep this out. The rest of those dudes can fuck off. Mm-hmm. All of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Parrish all was all right. I, I, Parrish was all right. Sure. I've hated You're Danny Ainge my whole life. I'll, I'll tell uh, you that, though. Yeah. Danny Ainge, Kevin McHale. Kevin McHale. We could do a whole damn pod the on only reason the Celtics have won, a, have won one title over the last 35 years is freaking Kevin McHale makes a trade with Danny Ainge. Come on. Anyway, anyways, anyways. So to your point, Pete, that that they lost to the Celtics again. And it was they couldn't get over the hump again. Yes, that mattered. And that's what made 85 so special. And then in the rubber match in 87 with the baby hook, if I could add one piece to the LFR closing clip where it's all the sound bites, the piece that I would add wouldn't be Chick Hearn's voice. It wouldn't be some Mike Breen calling out a play. It would be Larry Bird talking in the post-game press conference and him sort of saying, what can I say? That's Magic Johnson. He's the best I ever seen. We might have to make that happen. We might right? have to make that happen. It, because on the that do you know was, somebody, Pete, that can make that happen? I may know All someone right. with access to such footage, yes. Because that's how he was viewed after that. And there's a reason why when you talk about, oh, like who are, I don't love doing rankings, right? People, oh, LeBron versus Michael, or where does Kareem rank? Is Kareem catching short shrift or like whatever? Yeah. I'm lucky enough to have seen very many of the best players their prime years, right? I saw I saw pretty much all of Magic Johnson's prime. I saw Kobe Bryant's entire career. I saw all of Michael Jordan, Hakeem Olajuwon, all of these dudes, right? You go beyond like the early part of the 80s and those things are hazy to me, but I know that great players existed before them, right? But there was no player who inspired the thing in me that Magic Johnson did as a player in terms of just loving the game, as a winner, someone who you always felt, always felt, for me at least, 
That's why the Tragic Johnson stuff is so funny, who, who I always felt like was going to come through for you when it mattered the most. And that's what that Larry Bird quote signifies is like Larry Bird, Larry Bird won three consecutive MVPs. There's probably, he's like one of two players or three players, I think, that can ever say that they were truly looked at as the best player in the world. Larry Bird was at that time. And he's saying, that dude is saying, nah, man, like this other dude, he's the best dude I've ever seen because that dude just took my heart. Right. And it's just like, imagine how good you have to be to take my heart. And that dude just did it. And that's Magic Johnson to me. And that's why he stands where he stands. You know, I just had a thought. So you look about or look at Magic's career, you know, basketball reference page. And you're like, all right, well, his, you know, his best year statistically certainly was 86, 87. Right. Where it's 24 points and 12.2 assists. And uh, like I'm but I'm trying to think what would Magic have been like, like prime Magic with a bad team? You know, what like what would his numbers have been when because he had he always had great players next to him from I don't need to I don't need to do the list here. But and Pete, that's a legit question for you, like basketball wise. What what would that have looked like? And would it be somewhat of like the LeBron effect? Right. When he had some of those Mm -hmm. those worst teams and the numbers are there and he's carrying these dudes and and you're getting to the playoffs. You know, like right. I, I just wonder what what that would have looked like in that alternate universe that just never existed because of the way that that team was built. Yeah, I think the LeBron comparison is the most apt. And that's to say that it would be impossible for him to be on a bad team. That's right. LeBron James has never been on a bad team because LeBron James was on that team. And if, if there were 11 other guys who are NBA caliber players on that team. They're just not going to be a bad team. So, yeah, it, it would have been an, an inflation of all of those things. But that was part of the genius of Magic is that he could get those numbers. And he was the ultimate shapeshifter, that guy who, as a rookie, as a 20-year-old, he was one of the, the first to come out after his sophomore year of college. That was not at all common when he did it. So as a 20-year-old, to be like, I'm going to go back to high school and I'm going to score. I'm going to be a fundamentally different different player for this game, and I have the capacity to do it. And so by 87, Kareem was... 38, 39 years old, I believe, by them, and was an older player. He was declining, and uh, Worthy was going into his prime, but they needed another guy to really pick that up. And so Magic always could access that. So on a bad team, I think it would be just a lot of that just stat-stuffing, ridiculous uh, you know, stat lines every single night type of team. I just don't think that it would be possible for them to be bad with Magic Johnson on the team. He was the ultimate elevator of other people. Yeah. Yeah, he played with great players. He also enabled those other players to be great, right? Like there's few other players in the history of the league, I think, that you could truly say that about that, that style of being equally demanding and giving at the same time is just a super unique quality that most players simply do not have. Like they are not wired that way it's like you're taking the best attributes of multiple types of leaders and saying no 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 we're just jamming you into this frankenstein leader who is going to be whatever he needs to be on any given night and we'll channel that in order to get the best out of you and if you don't have it that night i got it i got it so a friend of mine in la uh some people 
would recognize him. Uh, his name's Wells P. And he was, we were talking That's... about magic the other day and he just struck this chord with me about, he kind of like, okay, wait, here's the generational pass down from father to son and stuff that the Lakers have been. And he said, so 87 against Boston was his first memory of basketball. When magic hit the sky hook in the lane, the happiness from my dad got me hooked. I wanted to learn everything about magic and basketball. Mm. That could have been either mm. one of you guys telling that story, right? That could mm-hmm. have been any one number of, of kids around our age in LA. And now, you know, Kobe has done that for a generation um, as well. And then he, the other story he said, he was 17 in high school playing at UCLA, the men's pickup run, hit a few corner threes. Magic was there, asked him to come onto the court. He got a no look for magic, legit nearly peed myself from shock and passed out. Um, had the open shot, didn't take it. So it's just the stories. I mean, if you opened up the, you know, the mailbag, right, the stories about magic. stuff. But that's the stuff that I'm, I'm enjoying getting from you guys that because that's the that passion that he ignited and that happens in all walks of life. But for, for me, certainly sports has been kind of one of the main areas. Um, that's uh, that's Magic Johnson. Yeah, the ability to inspire others, and this is absolutely, uh, Kobe did this as well, the ability to inspire others to be great in their own lives and and in different ways, right? They had different ways of going about that. That, to me, is Magic's lasting legacy, even beyond basketball. With respect to basketball, and I want to close on this, I want to hear your your guys' thoughts on this. Magic influenced the next generation of players. Like Kevin Garnett, for example, is the guy that comes to mind, and this is a Minnesota guy that uh, Mike... When KG came into the league, that ability to be a big man who could handle the ball, who could pass, before then, the the mentality of coaches and the conventional wisdom of the game is if you were six foot nine and above, or hell, six foot seven and above, get your ass down to the post. That is your job. That is what you are supposed to do. And magic broke that conventional wisdom in a way that no coach could ever deny that no coach could ever tell magic don't do that because he was so good at it that it opened up the idea of possibilities beyond that and now we have a whole generation of guys who would have been get your ass down in the post type of guys that can handle the ball can shoot up to the three-point line that Magic Johnson was the guy who catalyzed that revolution. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts as somebody who watched KG, right? And seeing that type of player, I think you see his influence quite a bit in his game. Yeah, for sure. And he, and he was also, I'm going to get back to KG, but he was also, it's kind of the justifier for LeBron and all those stupid arguments about making a pass like late, you know, in late game situations, Uh, right. right? And getting somebody else a shot. And it's like, well, well, wait, now we understand that LeBron is almost the same height as Magic. And one of the reasons he can make all those passes is because he can freaking see it. And he can yeah. see it better than anybody else. And he knows that it's a better play. Whereas the small mm-hmm. guards, not to get into one of our old debates that we all agree <laughs> on, they're not seeing that pass, nor can they execute it late in games and then therefore have to give up the ball to somebody else that's going to get their own shot. And then that person that's going to go get their own shot, maybe they don't have the passing ability because they haven't thought about doing it their whole life. So it's just there's a reason why all that stuff is true. And with Kevin Garnett, yeah, it's that it's another it's another one of those mold breakers for sure. And like when I grew up watching. So KG was the first player that I fell in love with aside from Michael Jordan, because I think nationwide we all fell in love with Jordan. He was even maybe to a greater degree than Magic was everywhere. 
like just just yes. Jordan, right? Magic was part of this amazing, and there, he was tied to the Lakers and tied to Bird and tied to the Celtics. Jordan was the Magic first, versus Bird, mm-hmm. yeah. Like Jordan was the first sort of guy guy, but so like I and that that sort of changed the way that I viewed my own fandom. But then KG came along, just doing literally everything for that team, every single thing on the court. And I think the player that was Magic is probably the bridge player there that was that could do everything. Uh, on the court for his team and that and like that's that's made basketball a better game it's uh it's and now where are we going to go next right like we're we're starting to see some stuff that is evolving past this point the only problem now is that the court isn't expanding and so therefore they're like all right well we'll just shoot closer to half court then and it's like it's nba jam you know like that's the from (laughs) shooting perspective yes but yeah like it's a it's it's a definite connector for sure pete the interesting thing for me is that you bring up KG in in terms of like sort of the next era after Magic, right? Um, KG was drafted in 95. Magic made his quick comeback in 96, right? And then he retired for good. The interesting thing is, is that, and I don't know, this may be worth someone doing some investigative reporting on, but the two players who I see magic in most now are probably european players i see some of his game in luka Doncic. i see i see a lot of his game in nikola jokic right like jokic yeah. especially as sort of this center dude right and that's what magic was basically when he was in high school he was talking about like oh you know like yeah i'm just gonna go back to the post i'm a play center like i did in high school some and you know play some point guard too because i'm magic johnson but like those blurred lines of of positioning that's Jokic now and Jokic is the guy with that amazing feel for the game and passing guys open and sort of seeing things from a different plane because of how big he is compared to his contemporaries as a passer right and so I look at I look at Magic and I look at him as that guy who was on the dream team and sort of helping to bring America's game basketball to the world and his influence in sort of shaping the style of play right because while the dream team was Jordan's team I would say right he was the alpha alpha and and that's broken down in a bunch of podcasts and 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 stuff that's been covered a lot by great reporting the number of stars that were on that team, the style of game that they played, I think that ethos was really more in line with Magic Johnson. Yeah. Right? It was, we share the ball. We are going to we're like, run move it on. And, we're going to mm-hmm. run. We're going to pass, 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 open man, open man. And we're just going to destroy these, these dudes. And there was a stepping on your neck, but we'll shake your hand after. Right. It it was guys who were like literally losing by 60 and then asking Magic for his autograph after the game. Right. Like that was the dichotomy of Magic Johnson. He was the ultimate winner. And you don't get to be the ultimate winner without stepping on people's throats. Right. But he did it with a smile. And then Mm -hmm. and he made you feel good about what you just watched, even if you just watched your team lose. It's this weird thing that Magic had this power of Mm -hmm. and and the idea of him as this basketball god i think stems from that 
vision, but it's not just court vision. It's it's the vision of how basketball should be played overall and how that infected everyone, right? Teammates and and announcers and little, you know, adolescent kids just like me who are just like, I want to see what this dude sees. I want to play the game like him, even though I'll never be like him. Right. And, and that's Magic Johnson. Beautifully said, man. And it was a real honor to riff on him over the course of this pod. Want to send some love to Cedric Sabalos, who tweeted out today he's struggling in the the ICU with uh, with COVID. And and also remember Michael K. Williams. We did some pods during the pandemic on the wire. It was we the, did. the uh, inimitable Omar and just a, a remarkable philanthropist. Um, just wanted to close with a couple notes on, on that note. Uh, hang in there, Cedric. Uh, us Laker fans are all rooting for you, man. We'll be back tomorrow with the next episode of Laker Film Room Podcast. Ainge has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot, the an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Freddy pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.